Welcome to the first episode of Wait, What? With DP and McGee. I'm your co-host, Tim McGee. I'm David Paro. We're going to take a have a take on the sports industry that's going to be often irreverent, sometimes serious, sometimes cynical. We're going to cover a bunch of topics that can be timely or timeless. We'll introduce you to some of our industry friends. And hopefully every once in a while, we're going to make you say, wait, what? David, what's on your mind? Well, first of all, Tim, thanks. It's a uh, it's a great uh uh, with great excitement that I'm doing this show with you, a, a good friend and uh, uh, someone that I've uh, I've counted on over the years. Uh, this is just an absolute blast. So it's a new year, it's new opportunity, new things to look forward to, and new projects and exciting ones at that. So that you know we're we're in you know we're now at the midpoint of January and uh, we just had the college football playoff championship, a great, great win for uh, Georgia Bulldogs last night. But one of the things that came out last week, which just struck me, uh, especially coming off of COVID when there was so much dire, you know, doom and gloom about the sports industry, um, that I saw that of the top hundred broadcasts in 2021, 94 of them were sports, were live sports broadcasts. So this idea that sports may be waning in popularity, I think is, uh, uh, was uh, was never actually true. Now, the other thing, of course, is that 75 of those of those hundred were NFL broadcasts. So it just shows the absolute dominance uh, and the grip that the NFL has on us. And of course, I get a kick out of the fact that, um, you know, it wasn't too long ago where there were a lot of people saying, I'm never going to watch the NFL again because they've, you know, they've they've gotten too involved in things that I don't care for. Well, obviously, that's uh, uh, their ratings continue to do quite well and have a have kind of an iron grip on uh, on the sports world and sports fans. What are your thoughts there? It's not surprising, but it does, as you say, speaks to the dominance of the NFL and, you know, not to become a social justice warrior in our first uh, first podcast out. But um, I'd be curious to see how many of the people who are standing up for Aaron Rodgers taking a personal stand, which is somewhat controversial, given that he's a leader of a team sport or a, a team in a team sport. Uh, how many of those same people felt the same way? when Colin Kaepernick took a stand several years ago. Um, you know, I, I respect uh, what Aaron Rodgers has said. Uh, whether or not I agree with him is sort of uh, irrelevant to this conversation. Um, but I think, you know, every uh, every drama needs a hero and a villain. And the nice thing about somebody like Aaron Rodgers is he gets to play both, depending on what your views are on how he's approached uh, COVID and the pandemic. Yeah, so, it really is. Uh, it really is remarkable with him because uh, I, I and I'm a Bears fan. We'll get that out in the open um, now. So I am supposed to hate uh, hate the Packers and hate Aaron Rodgers. But I find him obviously an immensely talented person. And there are times when I'm like, go, Aaron, you're you know, you're doing all the right things. And then there are times where I'm saying, what the hell are you doing? Um, so, yeah, he's a he is a fascinating one. He seems to play both sides uh, fairly regularly. Um, I do fear they will end up in the in the Super Bowl again. So um, uh, we'll see how how I can live with that as a as a Bears fan. But yeah, no, I think it's just been listen. The the season has been compelling. Uh, people are tuned in. The games have been great. Um, you know, some of the other uh, shows that came on. I think the uh, I think MLB might have cracked one of the shows. Certainly, some of the Olympic uh, Olympic broadcasts cracked. 
Uh, and now that we're coming up on another uh, an Olympic Winter Games uh, coming up here soon, which we'll be talking about uh, in episodes to come, uh, it was it was nice to see that this industry, um, you know, people still care and they tune back in. You know, right around the time that COVID started, you may recall I wrote a little parody song called the the day the week the sports world died mm-hmm. um, to the tune of American Pie, and uh, it got dozens and dozens place out there. Um, anyway, it was, you know, we were all a little worried at that time and, and what it was going to mean and every, everything did shut down, but man, you know, fans are amazing and they came roaring back as, as, as I guess we always do. You know, one of the things that, uh, that is often said about sports is it's the original reality TV, right? It's almost DVR proof. It's almost recession proof. Uh, it has proven to be pandemic proof, although, as you point out at the beginning, when everything shut down, there was a tremendous amount of uncertainty. The one thing that's really struck me about the last several months is that despite upticks in the summer, despite upticks in the fall, despite the Omicron surge, I have not heard one single sports executive talk about shutting down again. Uh, I think the sports world has realized that they can continue to operate through the pandemic and uh, coronavirus be damned, whether it's the fans, whether it's the broadcasters, whether it's the players and coaches and executives, and they've learned to live with it. You know, whether it's, you know, you, you said you're a, a Chicago Bears fan, but, uh, you know, somebody asked, there was a lawsuit last week where somebody was suing for billions of dollars to make the Jets and Giants change their name from New York since they, in fact, play in New Jersey. And somebody asked me, what's your thoughts on that? Um, I said, I always thought the Jets played in a town called Long Suffering because when people ask me, <laughs> who's your favorite football team? I tell them I'm a Long Suffering Jets fan. So, uh, but, you know, Coach Sala was, was out with uh, COVID and a number of coaches and players have been out. and. Sports has survived and thrived. Uh, you're, you're, you're factoid about 75 of the top 100 being NFL and 94 of 100 being sports speaks to the power of sports. Yeah, and they're not, and they're coming off of good numbers. I mean, these are reasonably strong numbers, not, not uh, you know, numbers that are big because they came off of the of 2020, for instance. Uh, they were they were good numbers, and again, I, I listen. The NFL, the NFL's grip is 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 pretty powerful and not, you know, not everyone's hitting those numbers. So you're not seeing multiple NBA games or multiple World Series games in there. Um, still, um, it shows that uh, this this thing called live sports is uh, is important and it's an important part of what we do for sure. Yeah, uh, you mentioned the Olympics and uh, I'm sure we'll be talking, to your point, we'll be talking about the Olympics in an upcoming episode. I'm sure we'll be talking about Super Bowl because you can't be in sports marketing and not have an opinion on uh how the game is marketed by the sponsors um, and the advertisers. And I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, $6.5 million is rate card for a 30-second spot this year. And uh, we're going to, you know, we're going to see some new entrants into the into the game. We're going to see uh, crypto companies for the first time. Uh, yes, we are, aren't we? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and we've had conversations about crypto. Yes. Let's 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 dive into that as a as a topic. Um, 
So what do you think? Flash in the pan or here to stay? Um, it would be complete. It would be completely lame if I said both, right? Um, <laughs> I think it's here to stay. Uh, I think it's here to stay. The question is, um, uh, is it is it here to stay as it is now, um, or are things going to kind of as as more and more people understand it, things going to uh, um, kind of uh, uh, you know play out where there's a little more down to earth. I mean, right now it's crypto and crypto sponsorship in sports is riding this crazy wave that you and I have seen before several times, Tim, um, be it the early days of tech, uh, be it the, you know, the crazy days of, of energy companies starting to spend when utility laws were kind of loosened up and they could be a little more aggressive uh, in their market. And um, so I think we're, I think we're seeing that the numbers are crazy. I mean, the numbers right now are crazy. Uh, but, you know, you and I talk to talk to people in this business and it's not like money that they can turn down. It's 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 everyone's doing it. And therefore, if one if one property has a crypto deal, a crypto deal is going to be done somewhere else. And then I think one of the other questions that will be interesting is to see if they start taking t- taking deals with multiple players in a category similar to what's happening in the sports betting in space, just because people are willing to do these deals without exclusivity. So. Um, very, very fascinating time. I do have to tell you. So one of the big deals was the, um, uh, you know, the the crypto deal that got done with Staples Center and it's now the Crypto.com Center mm-hmm. or Arena. And uh, I think the number was 700, 700 million, um, something to that effect, something big, uh, over 20. So um, I was very involved in the Staples Center deal. It was uh, it was something I I am proud of my involvement because I felt like it was one of the real breakthrough watershed moments of naming rights. Uh, the deal at the time when it was first done back in right around 2000, 1999, 2000 was about five mil a year, and this deal's in for about 35 a year. So big leap in that time, as you as you can see. And uh, we thought that was going to go on forever, the Staples deal. So um, there's a group of us that have worked on that that have formed a support group that we uh, we meet regularly on just to get us through these uh, these changing times. Yeah, you mentioned Staples Center, and obviously that's a that's an example of of times changing. I, I remember very early in my career getting a, a a call from my boss asking to come into his office, and we had been asked by a an energy company out of Houston to evaluate a naming rights deal for the baseball stadium in that city. Um, and that, uh, that company turned out to be Enron. So, you know, we've both been doing this long enough where we've seen uh, the Enrons of the world, the PSI nets of the world, the AmeriQuest uh, field deals of the world, which seemed like great opportunities for the teams. And as you said, it's not something um, where the sponsorship sales guys are going to turn down that revenue coming in. But by the same token, you know, as my mom always used to say, if if things are too good to be, if things appear too good be, to be true, they oftentimes are. And so, you know, you look at a couple of the European football clubs that have already stopped their deals with crypto companies because there was some question about the viability of those companies to be able to meet their obligations going forward so it'll be interesting to see um yeah you know i i uh i'm not nearly as 
have nearly as much integrity as you do, so I will say it's both. Uh, it is a fad, uh, but it, it, it could quite possibly continue depending on, you know, where crypto goes as as an industry. But, uh, yeah. you know, there'll be a couple of ads in the Super Bowl game. Um, we'll see them. I don't know how much you can convey about something that's so sort of uh, uh, foreign to, to people in a 30 second spot. But I guess yeah. that's not the intent of a Super Bowl yeah. commercial to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it. I think it. First of all, your mother, wise wise woman, um, gave you some Wait, good what? advice there. Wait. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, you started by saying your mother. I thought that was going to be a, a joke. Yeah. <laughs> um, you ra you raised a great point. One of the one of the things you just said there was this this idea of is what's the understanding? Like, what's the what's the penetration of understanding? And and then you think about the properties that are selling these deals or taking these deals. And is there an understanding of what this is? I mean, there are platforms, there are exchanges like Coinbase, and there's actually, you know, crypto coins such as Bitcoin and Ethereum, I suppose. And I, I'm clearly not an expert, and I'm sure I'm about to say something ridiculously stupid here. Well, Ethereum is but, a blockchain, yeah. just so right, you know. Right, right. Well, it's all, it's it's okay. It's all blockchain, though. I mean, that's It's all blockchain-based, and so, right. yeah, let's... Let's, uh, let's get our let's, let's get our act together. Let's get our definition straight here. Yeah, let's demonstrate our ignorance right out of the box. In right, the first right, episode right. Well, that's what I was. In, that's what I was. But 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 I was doing that, Tim, to raise a point here. Well, I'm not going to let you do it alone. Is 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 what is the the true understanding? Because there's a lot of obviously overlap, and I think that you know I was listening to uh, an interview with the CEO of FTX, which which I, I thought the guy did a great job of explaining why they're doing it. Um, and it, it is going to drive investment um, in their, you know, in their uh, where they have, you know, where they're trading their, uh, um, you know, their currency, if you will, as part of another platform or uh, or on another exchange. So it, it really is just to kind of drive the value. And that's what gets a little crazy. Now, you, I know, are a trading card expert. Um, I was a trading card expert until some. Uh, fast talking 10 year old bought my entire collection for $10 back sometime in the uh, uh, yeah, it, too long ago. And, and I, I thought a, you were going to say it was about two years ago. No, it, <laughs> it, it, it could have been uh, based on my investment results. But, um, you know, I, you know, it, it seems to me that if, you know, one of the things that the tech explosion in things like naming rights and big sponsorships was to raise the value, right? Get people interested in investing in the platform versus creating a, a, a usable platform that people are understanding. And I think that's what will end up leveling this out. Like, does this become, does crypto become a true global currency where we're all able to trade goods and so forth? And I do think that the sponsorship presence will help guide people toward that. I imagine some of these deals are, are partially done in, in crypto. We know that some of the some athletes are, are now wanting to get paid in crypto. Uh, and that, you know, more and more of that obviously will drive. Obviously, I worry about things like the unsteadiness of, of markets. And, and I, you know, I think you'll see big lifts and big falls, um, which is always a little scary when it comes to stuff like that. And that's what obviously hurt the energy companies uh, and, yeah. the, and the early early tech companies. Yeah, any any asset that's not tied to uh, 
something that maintains value underlying it is uh, is risky, right? So uh, it would not be unlike a player taking part of their salary in stock, right? Now there's a there's a a risk that the stock will decrease in value and and your salary will be less, but there's also possibility that your that that payment that you receive in stock will appreciate in value and it will be worth more than when you received it as salary. And it's the same thing with crypto. And I, I guess that everybody has a def- different risk tolerance, including professional athletes. But there's there's an old saying that college athletics are the front porch to the university, right? If you have a successful college program, you're going to attract more applications, more interested students, more and better faculty, and so on and so forth. Well, that that sponsorships almost becomes the front porch to the crypto company, right? It allows people to ask the question, well, what is crypto.com? What is a crypto exchange? What is an NFT? And all these questions, and maybe it then pushes them to to try to learn more about crypto and how they might work it into their asset mix. So I think one of the things that we have to do as sports marketers is, realize that the reason crypto companies are doing it might be slightly different than the reason an established company like my old employer, AT&T, put their name on the football stadium in, in Dallas, right? You know, it's got, you know, 98% brand recognition. So it certainly wasn't done for branding purposes. Uh, so I think we have to look at it through the lens of what are they, what are they trying to accomplish? Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. And I think you and I have, you know, built our careers around that concept that when you're doing sponsorship, you're doing it based on the goals and objectives of of an of certain brand. And everyone is different. They're not all the same. There are presence driving ones, there are business building ones, there are there are, you know, entertainment ones, all kind of different um, uh, options that people need to go into these look look at. So I I absolutely agree with you. And I don't want to kind of you know, dump all over, uh, you know, companies just because they're throwing a lot of money around. What gets a little crazy from my standpoint, and I think that there is some history on this, is that we've gone and kind of leapfrogged money from a sponsorship fee standpoint. It's just mm-hmm. leapt so much because they feel to get in and, and the category will hold it. And again, you know, I'm AEG. Of course, I'm taking that deal, especially since Staples, probably with their private equity ownership at the time, was looking to get out. That deal was supposed to be in in perpetuity. So a company comes along and 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 you leapfrog, you know, almost generationally leap over what the next deal was. And you know, it's happened in every sport. You know, the the you know the car deals in NASCAR. The um, and and oftentimes these are are driven by categories. I I think the. Uh, uh, daily fantasy sports pushed that as well. The money could be there. There was a lot of investment coming in. I want to get the property. Uh, I'll go ahead and I'll and I'll throw the money, and I won't worry that much about negotiation or where categories had led before. Of course, if you're in the midst of negotiating a a smaller category and they're getting an insane a property's getting an insane number from a crypto company, you know it makes your fight over that uh, you know trying to keep something under a million dollars a little tougher than. Uh, than normal, but but I, I don't blame the. I certainly don't blame the properties. What I do hope is that is that if 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 properties are taking money, that there's an understanding by the people taking money of what it is that that platform is. 
the legitimacy of it, because I do think that there may be some that are out there that are going to be very opportunistic. And a lot of people are coming in and, and you know, we have this situation in the NASCAR world right now that, that I think we can talk about as well. Um, and I don't know if those guys are credible or not, but, you know, they have they have a crypto coin. So, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, just to close out this point, now we can talk about that situation is just because a crypto company is well funded right now doesn't necessarily mean it has a viable business model that can be sustained. And I think to your point, a sponsorship seller has to do their due diligence uh, to ensure the maximum likelihood that that sponsor is going to be able to um, is going to be able to meet their obligations, especially in, in a long term deal like a naming rights partnership. And the other thing I would say is, uh, you know, I, I'm a big believer that things have a tendency to revert to the mean. Right. So we're seeing some crazy numbers being thrown out for sponsorships right now. Eventually, it'll revert to the mean. The mean might be higher coming out of this because just because of the numbers that have been thrown around recently. But, uh, you know, everything is a cycle. So. Right. And then, you know, you 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 alluded to uh, to our friends in NASCAR and their recent uh, challenge that they faced as an organization, which I think they handled as well as to be expected. But um I don't know if you want me to talk about it, or if you want to talk about the situation with Brandon Brown. Yeah, well, let's do a quick setup for, for people that haven't necessarily followed the story. So on a NASCAR broadcast um, uh, during this past season, uh, a uh, uh, pit reporter, uh, Kelly Stravis, after um, Brandon Brown had won an Xfinity race, uh, Xfinity being the series um, uh, uh you know, the, the second tier series, if you will. And uh, as uh, Brandon was being interviewed by Kelly, uh, a chant uh, erupted in the stands that was F. Joe Biden. And uh, Kelly, either thinking quickly on her feet or just completely mishearing, um, said, listen, they're saying, let's go, Brandon. Well, now most of you that are listening to this have definitely seen this or heard about it because it's been in the news a lot. Uh, where Let's Go Brandon has become somewhat of a uh, minced oath, if you will, of uh, for F. Joe Biden. Wait, wait, what? A minced <laughs> yeah, oath? I knew it. <laughs> yes, a minced, a minced oath. oath. My biggest lesson heading into this concept was what a minced oath is. Please, please a, educate a, our a minced a minced oath. Listeners. A minced oath is a stand-in or a proxy for a profanity. So it could be like saying, um, "Gosh" or "Darn." instead of damn or gosh, instead of, you know, God, for uh -huh. those that, that feel that's profane. Um, and so it's a it's a it's a stand in for something of profanity. So it's quite an elaborate minced oath, by the way. But I do love that term and I will be using it um, uh, quite a bit. But yes, okay. um, well, well caught. So let's but, go, uh, Brandon. Yeah. Let's go, Brandon, as a minced oath. I had never heard that term before, yes. so I yeah. have learned something. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so now. Um, a company that basically started a uh, started a crypto around Let's Go Brandon, and the company is actually called LGB Coin. Uh, booked a sponsorship with Brandon Brown and his company and his motorsports company, um, and it was seemingly okay. Uh, but then when it was known the tie to it, and I think they were going to put Let's Go Brandon on the car, <laughs> and it got shot down by NASCAR because NASCAR. NASCAR has gone through a lot over the last couple of years, and I think through leadership of, of President Steve Phelps has made a lot of really good moves. Um, they don't want to touch these things like this at all politically. 
Uh, but I think the deal itself is still in place, but they just can't put Let's Go Brandon on the car. I think it'll be an LGBI coin car. Uh, and he and Brandon now has embraced this. Brandon Brown, that is. Not Let's Go Brandon. Uh, um, uh, to say, listen, you know, because it, it, you know, the world is political, uh, right or wrong, it seems. And, and, and there is a fan base that I think he is now playing to. But he seems to be embracing this concept of of why people say let's go Brandon at NASCAR events and, and otherwise. So that's that's the latest that I know on this uh, on this Brandon Brown and and let's go Brandon. Yeah, a couple, couple things I would say. Number one, I agree with you. I think uh, NASCAR has done a tremendous job of becoming more inclusive over the last couple of years, whether it's uh, whether it's through their diversity and inclusion program, whether it's banning Confederate flags at, at racetracks, um, you know, embracing social justice issues a little bit more openly than they may have in the past. Um, so I, I commend them for that. Um, I find it a little disingenuous on Brandon Brown's part that he said he was not political and then got on one of the most political outlets available um, to discuss to discuss the partnership and to discuss, um, you know, and I believe he was wearing a, a red hat uh, it said make America great when he was on that uh, when he was on that show. So it's a little bit disingenuous on his part. Yeah. Um, but I, I think, you know, last year, if you'll recall, NASCAR uh, allowed a Donald Trump 2020 um, uh, uh, paint scheme to be on a driver's car. And um, I think that was what Brandon Brown's folks and the folks at uh, LGB uh, crypto thought was going to be the precedent to allow them to, to be on the car. The difference is one was not amidst oath. Um, it was simply advocacy for a presidential candidate. Um, uh, not unlike, you know, a candidate being on Saturday Night Live or a late night talk show or something like that. Uh, but I think uh, NASCAR is probably going to now go no more political. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think just there across are... the board. Right. I think he's kind of put the foot down and it makes sense. And and I think, listen, if if LGB coin tries to say that their product isn't being political, then they're being even more disingenuous than yeah. Brandon Brown. is. So, I mean, they created a company around the saying, which is the Minsto yeah. for for the, the message to President Biden. So, you know, that's just in a way that cracks me up. I mean, it, there's a certain ingenuity to that 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 I think is amazing that, you know, people will seize upon these opportunities. It's a very, you know, business can be very opportunistic. I have no idea, uh, you know, if they're going to be able to, you know, make that work with the with the audience. I, you know, we'll see what the what the sales are. Um, but here's an interesting point about this, and it shows how in in Sports like NASCAR and others and personal endorsements where the sponsorship becomes a part of people's lives, whether as a fan or as in this case, a race car driver. Um, you and I have both done enough motorsport stuff to know how much those drivers that we sponsor or get involved with, how much that sponsorship is part of what they do, part of how they carry themselves, part of what they're able to do. Uh, part of obviously what they wear. And here's a guy who's an Xfinity racer that obviously wants to race in NASCAR Cup. He wants to move up. He wants to be a star. They all they all want it. He may feel he has the talent and he just needs the money to do it. 
And he has an opportunity at a pretty hefty sponsorship. And the number I saw, by the way, and I don't have the exact figure, but the number I saw was well beyond what a typical Xfinity deal would go for. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if they're just, you know, you know, raking in some money from from people that that want to buy into both crypto and let's go Brandon concept. But he has a chance to get that funding. So um, I don't want to. I was a little surprised and agree with you that he came out so quickly and said, I don't want to get political and this is hurting me. Well, now he has something where where the Let's Go Brandon actually potentially helped him. And because of the Let's Go Brandon platform and what they're how they're trying to market themselves, he obviously is kind of taking that on. And, and maybe that's what he truly believes. But I will say this. And, I, you know, I've done enough endorsement deals in my time that I've advised both brands and I've advised athletes that I was talking to about those deals. Don't do this deal if you only want to do it because you think we're a check. Um, you got to you got to feel something about the category and the product or it's all going to come across as 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 not genuine at all. So if if this is where Brandon Brown is, it's a it's a free country. Obviously, he can have whatever political views he wants. Um, but I do hope that he's he's keeping that straight in his head. Yeah, I'll tell you a quick funny story. Back when I was involved with uh, Richard Childress Racing, I was running sponsorships for Singular at the time, and we had Jeff Burton, who was a tremendous spokesman for the brand and a, and, and a damn good NASCAR driver as well in his day. Uh, and we were at uh, we were at a uh, an event before the Atlanta race. Um, uh, the Atlanta Sports Council would would host every year. Somebody in the audience asked Jeff, well, what do you do when you're singular? You know, what do you do about the singular phone that breaks? And without missing a beat, Jeff said singular phones don't break down, you know, unprompted, unscripted. Um, and, and to me, he was always the epitome of a spokesperson for a uh, for a brand. He just uh, he embodied our he embodied our, our brand attributes, um, you know, great guy, very well spoken. Um, very well read on a variety of topics. And, uh, you know, to me, that was always sort of the epitome of, a, of an endorsement deal. Yeah. Uh, but you're absolutely right. It's uh, if they view it as a check, then that transaction has a lot more chance to go south than if it's a true partnership. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is, is just buying into the concept of what the what the brand is trying to do, because they're just not going to be a good spokesperson for the brand. Um, and not that the money's not important. We all, we all know it is. And, and, and they, they are selling their, um, their, their fan base in essence. I mean, it's really no different than what's happening in the influencer market now. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a fan base there and, and it's, and, and some brands are going to feel it's worth it to, to spend a lot for someone to give that brand that level of exposure. But I think one of the things about, you know, and, you know, kind of these traditional NASCAR type of deals that we're talking about, where they're really the human relationship is much more, much more personal. Listen, we live in a time where uh, everything is happening uh, in, in social media right now. So that kind of is now uh, become become the bigger platform for these type of endorsements. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm it's fascinating kind of this convergence of the crypto aspect and various other things going on with the sport that really is, I think, doing a lot of good things to try to broaden its base. You know, whether this will hamper those efforts or, uh, you know, kind of keep them focused, because obviously every sports league um, needs to take care of its base of fan as well. So uh, uh, we'll see how this evolves. It's going to be a fun one to watch. Yeah, for sure. So this has been a fun discussion. I think we could go on all night, but we've got to save stuff for future episodes. But 
Do you want to uh, segue into uh, what's going to be an ongoing segment, which is uh, uh, how did how did you get into the sports industry? And we'll be asking that of our guests going forward. But I think it's uh, if we're going to ask that of our guests, we should be expected to answer it ourselves. So you want to go ahead, David? Yeah, thanks, Tim. I appreciate that. I mean, one of the one of the things about this business that I always love and, and like everyone that I meet, I love finding out how they got into it, especially people that have risen to the top of this business, um, because the, every story is unique. But at the same time, there are certain commonalities that you find. Um, my start, first of all, I always wanted to I always wanted to be in sports in one way or another. My dream when I was a kid was to be a sports broadcaster. So I'm now on wait what with, you know, DP and McGee. So I get to do I get to do this. But um, that was my love. And, and uh, uh, but when I went to school at Wake Forest, final rankings, 15th in the country, just wanted to say, um, I got approached by somebody that had, that was a senior at Wake that uh, was was went to my high school, and he said, "I know you love sports, and I think you want to go into some sort of communication field. We need some help in the SID office, Sports Information Director's Office. Um, that's the acronym there." And I said, "Sounds good." And, you know, I think they were paying you know two twenty five an hour or something uh, for the work. So I'm like, "Great, I get paid, and I get to go to these uh, events." Um, and that became my job throughout four years of college. And it became my career path, absolutely became my career path. My, my initial path was on the public relations side. Um, I, got to, I got to see some amazing college basketball, as you might imagine, in the ACC way back when I was there, Jordan and Sam Perkins and um, Len Bias and Ralph Sampson and uh, just amazing college basketball up close, but also covered the Olympic sports and got to know some amazing characters, uh, tennis coaches and golf coaches and so forth. Um, but uh, my my first stop was to become a, an assistant sports information director at DePaul University, which is what brought me to Chicago. Uh, and then from there, I started into agency work, first on, on uh, in PR, but doing sports and events. So Anheuser-Busch was my first big client. Oh my gosh, early 20s, Anheuser-Busch, your first big client. I honestly don't know how those people survived. I was in my young 20s. I'm supposed to be going out every night and partying. I couldn't keep up with these people, but it was incredible training. Um, and then I just started learning more and more about different kinds of marketing and, and kind of evolved into a sponsorship person. Um, uh, became the head of sports marketing at Frankel, which is now a company called Arc Worldwide, part of Publicis and the Burnett specific network. Um, and then did client side at McDonald's uh, for a while as the as the head of U.S. sports alliances, uh, and then went back agency side and and ultimately started my own company, Deep Alliance, uh, which I have uh, uh, done for the most of the years of the last twenty, I guess. So, uh, wow. yeah, maybe not that long. I don't know, man. All those stops, and I still did my own company for that long. I'm, there was a stop in between. But anyway, that's kind of how it evolved. And I think where my passions really converged were on what, what made the sponsorship piece and the sports marketing, if you will, really stand out was kind of my natural inherent love of branding um, along with the, you know, kind of the strategy behind behind sponsorship. So, listen, I, I've been fortunate to uh, to come across people like you and, and, and so many other people in, in my career that I'm I'm still close with. Um, and, 
you know, I look back on that and I still have so much to learn, which is great. And there's so many things that are just constantly changing in this business that there's never really a dull moment. So that's my background, Tim. Well, that's a great story. And we're going to save mine for another episode Ah. because this one's running a little bit long. But let me just say that you've struck a a truly Faustian bargain. Uh, You get to fulfill your... Wait, what? Wait, yeah. no, I, I know what that one is, but I, I had to reciprocate. <laughs> you you get to fulfill your life long dream of being a broadcaster, <laughs> but you have to do it with me. Uh, I quoted my mother earlier. I'll quote my father now. You poor bastard. Uh, <laughs> but uh, listen, we appreciate you staying with us for this journey. We hope you enjoyed the first episode of Wait, What? Um, And we're going to be coming back with uh, new episodes pretty much every week. So with that, I'll say goodbye, David. Yeah, thanks. uh, Thanks, everyone. We hope to uh, have an ongoing dialogue and listen. You you know, hopefully you'll learn something. Hopefully you'll laugh a little. We, we, We sure will. All right. Talk soon, guys.